What's going on, everybody? 360 Digital Closing Bell here for a week ahead podcast here in this gorgeous October 5th, 2020. I think it's like episode 53, so we are slowly becoming an old man right before our very eyes. Um, We are recording this at about 6.33 a.m. here on this Monday, as I mentioned, October 5th, 2020. I am your humble correspondent, Michael Taylor, joined by the executive producer of the show, the purveyor of the show, International news aficionado, director and publisher of the world's greatest website, oilandgas360.com, Stuart Turley. How are you doing this morning? Uh, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, and we got a busy week. We do have a busy week. I'm actually going to be popping around the country. I'll be coming to you Thursday, Friday, uh, maybe Wednesday. It really depends. From Washington, D.C., so I'm actually excited to say that on the show. I haven't got an opportunity to say that in a while. I've uh, been saying too much Denver. Um, it is going to be a busy week. I mean, I actually thought this weekend in terms of actual news was really light, which is nice because there's some really interesting things uh, that actually dropped on the terminal this weekend that I'd love to cover. Stu's got some interesting stuff on the international news. As always, we'll cover what happens with the levels for oil field. But first, guys, as always, the show is brought to us by the world's greatest website, oilandgas360.com. The place for all of your oil and gas news oil and gas finances i mean mean, seriously guys there is no better place to go if you need anything for energy news i mean we're like fourth on seo for oil and gas news we're almost getting there for energy news it's unbelievable oh yeah it's really we're running so much stuff so um highly recommend checking everything out you go to the 360 news desk bookmark that page it's on the top page it's on the top row. Go to 360 Energy Expert. Hit the drop down. Go to the 360 News. The place if you're interested in just U.S. oil and gas news. It's going to have all your top stories, all the charts you need to know, all the equity overviews tables. We're going to be making some specific changes. We've also got dashboards, as you can see on the home page now. Drop down. We've got production. We've got EMP finance data. We have ESG data. We have, we're have we going to have debt data here coming soon. It's a little difficult to pull off the term. It's actually wildly difficult. They don't make, they don't make, that, they make that debt stuff really difficult to find. And you'd think, and worldwide rig counts, and so you you did me some goodness by uh, including worldwide numbers. We got OPEC. We did a lot of worldwide numbers. Now for that stuff, you're gonna have to go behind the paywall. So we oh. we don't just give that stuff away for free here. Oh. Uh, but it's really good. I mean, it's really it's like sixty bucks a month. I mean, it's 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 a steal. I would. I don't pay for it, but because I get one for free. But uh, <laughs> I would if I could. So you're you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I, I'm building the thing. I mean, they're, they're really good. I mean, you know, you're not getting the well by well data that you know. If you're interested in like say more hardcore data analytics, this isn't like we're going to give you well by well data. Uh, there are other companies that do that. It's trust me. I don't want to be in that business. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, uh, you know, if you are interested in some of that well by well data, I know I've gotten a couple of questions. Uh, I mean, it's just my buddies who listen to this show. So they asked me if we're going to have well by well data. We're not. Uh, but, you know, I'd love to hook up. And one of the things I want to talk about this, too, is we got to figure out an affiliate program. Go to one of these well by well data providers and set up an affiliate program so that we can market, that we can sell this data on our through our dashboards because i mean yeah because it's all it's easy i mean it's just no cost to it you just say hey, if we push people to your site 30 percent it's very easy you when just, i was at dinner with alan uh you know founder did of- you actually have dinner with him because i want my di login <laughs> no <laughs> I was teasing you on Friday on that. I know. I was so excited because I actually thought we were going to get – because I'm telling you, they're a spon- they're like a corporate sponsor of Entercom who 
owns this show, basically. They are. They, they, but, but, but we can't just get a we can't get a DI license. But, but what's going on here, Michael? I, I haven't talked to him yet. I know. I'm not. I'm, I'm not talking. I'm not yelling at you. I'm venting through you. Oh. I, I just that's something, Aaron. I, how has Aaron not brought that up? Oh, I, that almost sounded like a date. You're venting through me. Holy crap. So. Yeah. It's okay. a wild morning. But no, seriously, guys, check out everything on the oil and gas 360.com. The best place for all the energy finance. There's also the best energy thought leadership podcast, the Energy 360 podcast with Stuart Runs. Stu, what's up? What's coming up this week? Um, well, we have Aegis. Uh, it did not get pushed out on Friday, so it's coming. Oh. Um, we had a few. IBM has been slow. Do what now? Oh, yeah. IBM, IBM has just been slow because you uh, tried to upload that Thursday? Yes. Uh, and I had some technical issues. Uh, we also have the our young friend up in Canada, and we have a few other. Casey Johnson, we got to get that out. Yes. Uh, neat story. So, um, Steve, Steve Reese, Steve Reese, we got to get state, state of the midstream. Yes. Oh, that was a fabulous call. We had oh, smart. Yeah. Uh, we, we got that one out. He's a soup. His whole team is very knowledgeable. Well, and I'll give him credit. Scaling a consulting firm is tough because it's, there's low margins, especially because you get more work. Generally you have to hire somebody or give it to somebody. So the fact that they're crushing it, I mean, really, it's a testament to them and and, and good for man. It's I would Reese Midstream Consulting. They're they 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 busy. Uh, very and uh, you know what's fun is they are right on top of the uh, LNG um, transformation into higher. They're on it. They are knowledgeable consultants. They are hire them. This is more free advertisement. Holy smokes. Yeah, what are we giving away too much free stuff here? Check out that podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, oilandgas360.com. All right. I mean, there's light on the news. We'll get to the news in segment two here. There was two two things that I, you know, we've been talking about borrowing base and redetermination season coming up. And as we move into quarter four, um, October 1st starts quarter four. So now is... Um, we're starting to read some of the tea leaves that are coming out. One, I, I saw in the, the terminal this week, too. Exxon's prepping for a third lo- quarterly loss in a row. Oh. That's interesting. That's a that's a super major here. Um, and I saw a really, really interesting research piece that, that, that kind of covered some of the, the, the redetermination, really the, the borrowing-based redetermination liquidity risks. And looking back at what happened in the spring for the redetermination and what does that mean going forward because October 1st starts this redetermination period. So to kind of give you an idea, you know, so what is a borrowing base? So there are kind of two different categories. They were called bank commitments and then what's called a borrowing base. Bank commitments are what a bank is committed to loan you. Now, they haven't loaned it to you yet, but they've committed to loan it to you if you want. Now, this can be in form of all different types of stuff. Um, Reserve-based loans, second lien loans. They the bank went out and partnered with a private equity firm to get capital. I mean, this these bank commitments can be multiple different varieties. When you talk about a borrowing base, that's specifically what we would call a reserve-based loan, or what is based off your PDP or Purdue Product or 
what it be, you know, PDP, sorry, your proved produced reserves. Re, you know, reserves that you haven't produced yet, but that you've proven exist so that you can actually put a tangible value to it. You, it's, it's, it's sort of the only way you can probably really, you know, I, I think people get a lot of, uh, you know, this PDP gets a lot of heat, specifically on Twitter, because of the way it can be done. And, you know, we even, we're sitting on an interview with Scott Sheffield, where he kind of, or not Scott Sheffield, um, shale specialist, who was a former pioneer guy, who, you know, sort of, pun intended, pioneered all of this, you know, shale modeling and all that. Even he would say it's kind of a scam. There's some of this, you know, you can really inflate the numbers here. But that's how, I mean, that's how these redeterminations work. So kind of give you an idea. The largest driver of a producer's borrowing base is the size of its proved developed producing reserves. And the lower you spend on CapEx, the less prove, uh, the less PDP you're going to have because you're, you're just not going to be able to go out and prove. You have to drill wells in order to prove PDP. So when oil price gets cut and CapEx changes, in this case drops, yikes, that PDP number is going to go down. So all these companies are reducing their PDP clearly because they're spending less. I mean, to give you an idea, they did a, here's a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, we got WPX, Southwestern, Cabot, Range, PDC, Parsley, Intero, Diamondback, Goldport, all over 25% cut in CapEx. Yikes. And was we, you know, and, and when we know how oil wells decline, whoop, exponential, baby, not that fun. Nope. It's not that fun. Um, wish you could get a little more life out of it. So, what does that mean moving forward? Well, I think before we look forward, I think it's best to see what happened um, in spring of 2020. Because I think that gives you the best idea. So in spring 2020, COVID was was kind of just was just getting there. And remember, it's you know COVID hit. I'm trying to you know it, it came on quick. I think it was middle March. I want to go March. You know, I remember this pretty well because I actually was mo- I was in the middle of a move. I moved from California just in the nick of time. I got a holy smokes. Because um, <clears throat> when I drove on March like 15th to from you know, San Diego to Cal- to Colorado, there was like no masks. I remember like you know, you know like masks weren't really a thing yet. I remember then that was like a there was like a Thursday. I remember that Monday, you know, because I'm on the work grind. I had a lunch meeting set up with our boy David Forsberg, downtown Denver. We went on 16th Street. We walked down to uh, Rock Bottom. Nobody was in there. The next day, everything was shut down. So it, we're, I'm gonna go with like March third, like March like 15th as the COVID cutoff. Redetermination happened before that. So to give you an idea, when we read, I read off these spring redetermination numbers. They didn't really have full COVID priced in yet. It was, you know, we didn't know there was going to be nine million barrels ripped off the market fairly permanently, not permanently, but for two to three determinations. So let me read you this, dude. This is before COVID. Look at these redeterminations. Antero, fall 2019, 4.5 billion. Spring 2020, 2.8 billion. 37% downward shift. Callan, well, they've bitten the dust. 2.5 billion, 1.7 billion redetermination. That's down 32%. And you know, they were already, and then we'll get up to how you were leveraged because the next part of this is how much do you have, how much of you have that utilized up for redetermination? Because what happens if you're, what happens if they cut your borrowing base by 30%, but you were 80% utilized? Well, now you've got six months to pay that bad boy off and they get a nice little interest rate off that. All right, continuing. Chaparral Energy. Well, they're Dunzo McGruber, but they were at 325 million, redetermined in spring to 175, 46% drop. That'll kill you. 
Comstock, Jerry Jones, they actually were only down 7%. Diamondback, Range, and WPX were the only three companies on this like list of 25 that they studied who actually didn't have a change. Wow. Oasis was down 52%, though. Laredo, they were down 24%. Woof. Woof. So, what does that mean? Before COVID, companies were already getting their budget slashed. This wasn't something... COVID only added fuel to the fire. We've been saying this for a while. So, clearly that means there's going to be some massive redeterminations that start coming around the corner. And I think the, the, the key is what companies are at risk. And so how I like to look at it is, is and you can really pick any number you want. And remember, we do math on napkins, but I, I, you know, I was able to actually use some sophisticated tools for this. But you can pick any number you want, Stu. You can pick you know 50% utilized. You can pick 80% utilized. I go with 65 just because I think that gives us a good list. There's over 25 companies that are at least 65% utilized between their borrowing base and the amount they have outstanding on that. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Now, some, now, I'm going to read you some of these numbers, and then we'll read over bank commitments because that's the key. Some of the, where not all the, that doesn't mean all these companies are in trouble. Like, you know, we'll start out with, you know, this is the first, you know, first company that comes up for 100% utilized. Yeah. We love these guys, but Ring Energy. $375 million borrowing base, they're $375 million outstanding, which means they've 100% utilized. But they're borrowing, their bank commitments are up to a billion dollars. So, not to worry. The one thing I will say about Ring is that they're less uh, horizontal and more conventional. Yeah, but what I'm saying is when you read these numbers, I'm, we're going to read the amount outstanding in the borrowing base, and we're just going to go down to utilization. Yep. We, you have to then okay. One now, now that we look at all these utilization numbers, you have to weed out the ones that are that have no more bank commitments, right? Because that's where you get in trouble. That's when Oxy has to go to Warren Buffett <laughs> because they're out of bank commitments, and now they got to pay eight percent to Berkshire. No, I mean this is this house. So highest utilized Lone Star Resources makes sense. One hundred twenty-seven percent utilized. They had a borrowing base of one hundred or two hundred twenty-five million. They had $285 million outstanding as a bankruptcy. Oof. Midcon Energy Partners properties, 114% utilized. Panhandle Oil and Gas, 100%. Abrejas Petroleum, 100%. Oasis, another one bites the dust. They were 96%. Contango Oil and Gas. Love those guys. Ticker symbol MCF. It's not good, though. 97% utilized. They've got a decent borrowing base, though. Or bank commitments, excuse me. Callan Petroleum, 86%. Northern Oil and Gas, love those guys. They're 86% utilized. So, now, we have to look at bank commitments. And I'd highly recommend doing that. So, about you know, to give you an idea, the companies on this list that would scare me, Rattler Midstream, they have a $600 million borrowing base. The amount outstanding is $523 million. So they're 87% utilized, and their bank commitments are only $600 million. So these are people who are in trouble. Yep. That, 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 that's a sign of trouble. Another company. You know, I, I would say 
you know, Amplify Energy is you know is, is in a precarious position. You know, they have four hundred million or four hundred fifty million in bank commitments. 280 million of that's a borrowing base and 256 of that is outstanding which is you know 93 percent so to give you an idea 30 percent cut of this is where we need calculators here because now i'm just doing it we i, I need a little bit 0. 0.7 times 450 yeah i mean that puts you close that puts you really close that puts you at 315 million for you know that that, that puts you at a 350 million dollar um bank or excuse me yeah you're in trouble basically um it's it's if you now maybe maybe the redeterminations won't be as um cut but we'll see so now let's let's move over so we, that those were the most highly utilized credit lines let's just talk about large borrowing base facilities okay capital oil and gas we love these guys largest borrowing base facility in this peer analysis Yep. 3.2 billion. Ooh. Utilized zero of it. Mm, nice. Good for them. Now, number two. This isn't good. Intero Resources. Borrowing base, 2.8 billion. They've utilized 63% of it. Ooh. But also, when I pulled them, I, I have a setting set because I always, when, when you're pulling debt numbers, yeah. you always want to know what, what is their debt trading at. Because what someone's debt is trading out of the bond market is a great indicator of what the present value of people this debt is. So I always set a custom color on, on the terminal to if, if it's distressed. And there's a certain category for distressed bonds because they have to categorize debt. Whether, you know, what's the bond rating on that? It was A, A plus, B, B minus, all that jazz. They pulled up as red. So their, their current debt's trading it you know, not good. I'll just say it's it's trading at a distressed as what we would call a distressed price level. Not good so, technical term. <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, you could go. I mean, just go look. You can again distressed. When I say that's their level, you could pick whatever levels you want. I pick sixty five percent utilized just because I, I don't know. Looks like some of these companies were getting slashed by 35 percent. Cool, thirty five percent. You know what I mean? Just I'm a risk guy. I pick a bigger number because it's just what I do. Um. So for these distressed prices, this is just their their bonds trading at at, at some point throughout it was trading at at at, at junk level, which eek. Parsley Energy they're next on this list. They have a two point seven billion dollar borrowing base. They've only used about sixteen percent of it though. So, and why do you think they're the talk of getting acquired? If you're on Twitter. Everyone thinks pioneers buying parsley. Do you think it's going to happen, Stu? I re, I just, Daddy bailout, son. Uh, yeah. Um, I before twenty twenty, I used to make some decent predictions. I, I got nothing this year. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, I, I, I mostly, I, I, mean, I, I do think it's a. The acreage is similar. Now I do think there's some weird stuff like how much of. You know how much do the Sheffields own of parsley versus? You know it's a it's a convoluted story here. I mean, now it's nothing illegal. It's just it's just immediately you know you 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 bring on this acreage, or you know well, what's going to happen to these parsley employees? They're going to get axed. <laughs> you know what I mean yep. there. So you know when we talk about mergers and acquisitions, you always got to remember about. But that's just rumor mill here. We don't know what's going to happen. All right, so. 
other borrowing bases. Callan had a big borrowing base, but their debt's trading at distress levels. $1.7 billion. They're 86% utilized. Hillcorp. You don't talk about those guys a lot. It's because they're probably dead soon. $1.7 billion. They've utilized 75%, and their debt's trading at distress levels. It's, it's, it's just, you know, PDC. Now, this, the only reason this is, because I, I looked up this one, because this one shocked me. This is because of, and this is only, the only reason, now, sorry, let me, I jump ahead here. $1.7 billion for PDC Energy, $655 million utilized, only 50% utilized. Why is their debt trading at distress levels, though? Senate Bill only 181, we've been covering it. 88, it's like 89% of their usable acreage falls within that 2,000 foot setback law. Yeah. So, I don't care how good your acreage is when the United States, when when a government comes in and says, eh, you just can't drill there? Whoops. Dunzo McGruber, as we would say back in the day. So, uh, (laughs) it shocked me, but it's true. And, And when you look at the numbers, it literally was the day, it just touched on those, the day uh, both the hearing was held. It was like, oh, early September. And then last week, like Tuesday, when the actual vote came out. It was like the two days it touched. We love those guys, though. So, what does all this mean? A lot of numbers. I think the biggest thing that this means is there are... A lot of companies out there that are that are kind of holding their breath right now, and if if the bankruptcy season, in my opinion, is not over yet, mm-hmm. I think if it's going to go through quarter one of twenty twenty one, because to give you an idea, Callen got redetermined by thirty two percent in spring twenty twenty. That was a sign they should have probably declared bankruptcy then. But what 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 do, what do people who own companies do? They hang on to the bitter end, which is fair. I do the same thing. I'm knocking these. I hold on to the bitter end too. May you know exhaust all options. Why well, you know you don't just want to throw in the towel early. I mean sometimes you know. So, I can. So when you talk about these redeterminations come in, this is going to affect I think companies as we move into you know 2021. I don't think a company is going to get redetermined and then we're going to see a downfall right now. I mean, I, I think there's a at least a three month lag between when something gets redetermined. You know because. Yeah, should Antero declare bankruptcy? Probably. Like they, 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 you know, and does that mean they need to, you know, completely rebrand and something? No, they just they got you know they, you know, they just took a little too much out of the credit card. It happens to everybody. It right. happens to everybody. You know, and maybe you know. So, all that's to say, we'll be following this redetermination stuff closely because this is as boring as that as as, as this little segment was. I think it's important to know all right, what companies are heavily utilized, what companies have large borrowing base facilities, and what does the outlook actually look like. And it's going to be at least 20 to 25% for the big boys. Yep. So. Uh, all right, Stu. What do you got on all this? I've talked enough here. Um, well, you know how we measure uh, there's AC and DC is or BC, you know, before Christ and after uh, you know, so you sit there and look at uh, after uh, before COVID and after determination. So we've got two new terms here for a timeline and setting new timelines in financial history. Uh, 
uh, BC before COVID, AD is after determinations. Uh, well said. <laughs> I like it. That's that's too that's too witty for this podcast. Um, it's absolutely it's too witty for this podcast. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, you know, I think the other thing that you know I saw was really interesting. You know, really was this is this leaked Exxon plant. But I'm going to let Stu go ahead and cover that um, when we get to the international news desk. Um, what does all of this redetermination mean for, you know, if you're looking to invest in oil and gas? One, look at distressed debt levels, clearly. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're a retail guy out there, hey, I want to, you know, throw $10,000 in the energy sector. Buy low. Okay. There's names out there that, 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 that might get you there. Who, who, who's to say we're at the bottom? But also, go look at distressed debt levels. Find companies that, one, are underutilized. Find And, and, and I don't care if it's shale, conventional. I don't care. Find companies that are underutilized. Find companies that are... Um, you know, And find companies that are not trading at distressed debt levels. It's... It, outside of... you know, Once you've eliminated all of those... Then you just go through your normal stock picking strategy. Okay, where do I, where, you know, do I like this price? How long do I want to be in this? Because if you if you want to be in a trade for twenty years, yeah, I mean, you could probably gamble on a couple oil and gas companies. You do twenty years, you're gonna hold this time frame. Yeah, I'm sure there's a couple companies out there that are trading right now. They're gonna go up. Yep. And it's just, you know, in the aggregate, Dave Portney's right. Stocks do kind of always go up. Now that's in the aggregate, not in the Day by day, you know what I mean. So, just be careful out there, and you know, last thing you need to be doing is investing in, oh, Rattler Midstream, and in six weeks they're bankrupt. So, just look at distressed trading levels. Go look at amount utilized. Go look at how much their bank commitments are. You know, help you help yourself out. All right, Stu, international. What do we got? Oh, it. Uh, I was exhausted uh, last week. You sent me like nine stories this morning. <laughs> um, over the weekend, uh, this is absolutely, you know, we've talked about Club Med, you know, the um, huge Mediterranean gas fields from the Leviathan field, Cyprus, Turkey, all that. Turkey's been getting their hands slapped by OPEC and everybody else. Well, here we have the Prime Minister of Turkey, if you'll see on my technical screen here that we've got. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They got a second drilling ship going out. And so what that's telling you is that uh, Turkey's not done uh, poking the bear, so to speak. So they are uh, really helping Libya. Libya is just going bonkers, driving everybody nuts by over, you know, they've been doing 300,000 barrels per day. So, uh, OPEC is just like, what do I do with this puppy? Beat him, you know, roll up a newspaper and beat him in the nose. Um, so anyway, I just thought that was kind of funny that, that they're launching another, uh, ship. Uh, Hey, uh, a couple things here. Uh, there was a good op-ed uh, over the weekend about a hundred billion dollars worth of big oil divestiture coming. Michael, uh, if you're a bargain uh, basement, do you go to garage sales? I, I don't. I, I wish I could say I was a, I was a thrift 
garage store guy. I'm not. Yeah. I don't buy anything really. I don't buy new clothes, Stu. Uh, well, no, you you still are wearing uh, like high school clothes, so you know whatever. I am. I am actually. This is a not high school, but this is. I've had this for a hot minute. Oh. <laughs> I've had this shirt for a while. Going back to college, at least. Oh my goodness. Well, you know everybody does. Um, but energy transition. We have BP, Shell. We got all the majors. They're dumping. Uh, they got a plan to go to become energy electricity companies. You know, they're looking at that whole kind of a thing. Um, and so when you take a look at this story from Shell, it was pretty amazing. Um, they are going after uh, renewables and dumping their heritage. Now, one little, there's some tidbits in here. What they're doing is they've gained so much control around the world from oil governments and other countries that the governments like Nigeria and all of the other poorer countries uh-huh. are having to have to pick up the slack where the majors were. So I'm almost good that they're doing it to give more control back to the countries that they've been robbing from. I mean, not that majors steal from everybody, but I think it's great that countries are be trying to force their way back into energy independence. And this is actually a good way to take a look at it. So, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that, yeah, like you mentioned, I think there's definitely been some, oil major abuse of power in some of these countries and so it's oh. nice to see them take back and and as you mentioned it's the quickest you know you want to talk about how to get a country out of poverty become energy independent give your citizens give your people low cost access to fuel lowest cost kilowatt per hour scalable scalable I mean, it, we love our uh, Indian management uh, and government. They're trying to do that. We love India. I mean, they're just trying the best they can. But this brings up ESG. And another tidbit came out this weekend, a very large tidbit, more like a boulder. Uh, yeah. You and I have been talking uh, for a long time about ESG and how MIFID too. Uh, let me back up and give you a little bit of MIFID 2 here. Yeah, educate the class on MIFID 2, because to uh, be honest with you, I don't even know what this is. Um, well, let me uh, show you another technical uh, graph here. Oh, I'm ready for this. Listeners, if you notice, Vanna White is holding up MIFID 2. It is an oil and gas. Can in- I get a B? I'd like to buy a vowel. <laughs> she looks <laughs> better than I do, but um, when you... Uh, she has better hair. Uh, so when you're looking at MIFID II, these are the financial regulations that have been coming over from Europe to the United States with a couple major goals. The major goals were to ha- offer more transparency in investing. Now, they did not have much ESG requirements in there. Um, the big deal was there were three major things. Broker dealers um, may receive research payments on money managers and hard dollars. Um, money managers may continue to aggregate orders on mutual funds. They had some specific details that were lined out that uh, like the big investment houses could no longer have investment um conferences and then pay for everybody uh so anyway interesting MIFID too now 
we've been talking about MIFID II ESG being blended into MIFID II requirements, and sure enough, here came the uh, the articles this morning from the Times Malta. Um, ESG standards are being put into the European, the EU MIFID II requirements. So uh, ESG is really going uh, to become more and more important. Uh, so as we take a look at what's happening in the U.S. with ESG, investors and consumers are requiring ESG. No ESG, no access to capital. Here's what's happening with ESG in the U.S. Michael, you and I are talking about their, their biggest problem with ESG is the um, how do you measure peers in a market with no standards? So standards for ESG are being folded into MIFID II into Europe. Standards for ESG are coming through and we as uh, Oil and Gas 360 are launching our ESG dashboard behind the paywall. And, and so all of this is intertwined, Michael. And did I get you all bored? You just waking up? No, I had to stretch. Oh, okay. You look like Yogi Bear stretching out of his bear cave there. I'm listening. I'm. This is this is this is good stuff. Oh, I was, I was like, okay, I need to move right along. So uh, when you sit here and take a look at uh, non, okay, what's your favorite term? My favorite non-gap term? <laughs> just non-gap. You and I both think non-gap is a way to hide money. Hundred uh, percent. It, it, it's a it's a way to hide your ugly baby in your financials. So one of the things that we're taking a look at is every, there's non ESG standard language out there. Everybody says oh ESG, but there's no standard for mm -hmm. ESG. Now everybody and their dog is going to be throwing out things that go uh, these are now standards and they're not going to be applicable per um, industry. So just buckle up, get a flight suit on, get a pair of Depends. This is going to be nutty while we go through the standardization of ESG terms. Yeah, and I mean, you bring up a really good point is what are going to be the standards? If this is going to be a requirement for companies to have, what are the standards? And I think that's, as this, as this becomes more of a not just a talking point, but a actual seriously consideration from investors as, as it is. I mean, it, we will see how that plays out, but you're going to have to come up with some sort of, as you mentioned, some way to report all this stuff well, I mean, and make it standardized. How do you do a, a peer analysis? And, you know, I know there are, there, there are data platforms out there that, that do that, but it's all, you know, it's all very, I don't want to say it's, it's, it's either too quantitative where it's just a number. Let's give a score and see what that score is compared to somebody else. Or it's too qualitative, where it's here's just what this company is doing and here's what this company is doing. There's no way to mesh the two. Oh, absolutely. And it's going to be a nightmare. Uh, now, uh, good management, good numbers. No ESG, no access to capital. And now, no ESG, no scoring. Yeah. Um, you know, this one is, we were ahead of the curve on the tying of ESG to MIFID II. We were ahead of the curve on that. Uh, now, on ahead of the curve on the uh, 
determinations of uh, how do you judge against your peers, I'm going to claim I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I have any idea either. So I, I just think it's uh, it's something that's that's someone someone is going to have to someone's going to come up with that. Someone's going to figure out a way to do it, and it's going to be killer. Oh yeah. Now the EU is is got a board, and they're tying it into different boards. Uh, you know the ISO nine thousand and everything else. They've got the uh, ISO. I think it's the ISO nine thousand six. I gotta, I gotta go uh, fact check myself. Uh, but I've read through those on uh, ESG, and it's hideous. You're gonna have to hire a whole team of people or a team of consultants to even try to understand uh, half of the requirements coming. It's almost like this law was maybe written by consultants. You know, that's a conspiracy theory that I think you're dead on, right? <laughs> All right. And since we've now ventured into conspiracy theory land, we should probably just move on to covering the levels for oil trade and gas <laughs> this week. Uh, as always, guys, this segment is sponsored by Sandstone Capital Group. These guys do great research. Call them sandstonecg.com, 303-907-6825. Got to mention the podcast. It's great you guys love them, but got to mention the podcast. The only way we get credit here. On the crude oil side, I mean, it, we, we saw late Friday, we, we recorded an early morning, uh, er, what was that, early morning? We recorded an early morning podcast Friday that didn't get to cover really what was an absolute tanking in the price of oil. Um, we saw 36.72, 36 bucks we saw late in the trading session on Friday, which is not good. Luckily, pit opened um, yesterday night. By the way, speaking of the pit opening... As we mentioned, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, President Trump, as we mentioned on Friday, diagnosed with COVID, tweeting all weekend about how uh, how good he's feeling. Right before the futures market opens, this dude get leaves the hospital, gets in a car, and goes home. Talk about a pump in dumps, dude. I told you on Friday this was going to happen. I even knocked my headphones off because I'm going so crazy. I'm telling you, Stu, I had this. I had this on Friday. Hey, inside baseball for our podcast listeners. Uh, I mean, you ought to see him flapping his wings. He's like a baby bird jumping out of the nest. He's Trump can really affect the market. I mean, it's unbelievable. I have been on both sides of a Trump tweet, both sides of a trade. Where I've been in a trade, Trump tweets. Next thing I know, my position is a hundred percent better. I've also been on the other side where he's tweeted. And instantly my stop has been hit off. I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> so I've been on both sides of it. It's just crazy. Goes to the hospital as he sees the market slumping on Friday. Yep. Now, I'm not saying, again, we don't, not to venture back into conspiracy. It's just convenient. Let's just say it's just incredible how he does this. Because the pit opens and what does oil do? Ah, we're up to 38 bucks now. Off good news that... Uh, you know, hey, I, I I told you on Friday, Trump was hoping to get better from this quick so he could prove to the world coronavirus, you know, in the, in his mind isn't anything. So he's at least trying to do that, and the markets think so. Yep, uh, I would agree. So, that, so it's just it's just sorry about that, but we'll leave that alone. <laughs> and not to not to digress here. So as I mentioned, pit opens for crude oil. Oil's trading like thirty seven even. We saw it pretty. You know, price action was pretty steady. Um, getting us up to about thirty-eight bucks. You know, some of the big levels I'm seeing for the week. I mean, I mean, considering we hit, 
I mean, we had our low level at 36.72. That got take, you know, that got actually touched at about oh, midnight, about six, uh, about six in the morning. Eh, sorry. About, uh, yeah, I mean, this was, uh, you know, about 6, 8, uh, 6 p.m. Or, or about 4 p.m. that Friday. So, um, you know, when that pit closed there about that time, reopened up at 37.06. You know, so like I said, a couple levels. If, 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 if you're bearish, the downside levels from here are 37.48, 37.06, 36.72. And God forbid we get here, 35.35. I mean, those are kind of the three things I see. Is if you're if if you're trying to sell oil, those are those are kind of some downside levels. If you're looking to get in a short, anything 46, you're probably good levels for. You. If you're looking to get long, let that thing ride down to thirty six. I think we're in a range here from probably thirty six to forty one. So if you're interested in, in in day trading, which you know if you can define a range, that's step one of trying to figure out. Uh, uh, and putting together a, a trading plan. So if you can, if you set a range and say, okay, I'm going 36 to 40. I mean, there's some levels on the downside I like. There's some levels on the upside I like. I, I again, I'm neutral this week. So so my my bias this week is 36 to 40. If, you know, so if it's down at 36, I'm probably bullish. If it's up at 40, I'm probably bearish because I think this 38 dollar level. You know, when we look at the point of control for the week's 38.62. Um, so I. I'm pretty, yeah, I, I don't see anything that's like, oh, I think we're going to pop above that $40 level. I mean, really, forty twenty five dollars has got to be our max level here. But, um, you know, opening bell here is in about 16 minutes. It'll be interesting to see. On the natural gas side, we're up about three percentage points. Um, I think some of the interesting levels, I think there's a big chunk from, from, from $2.47 all the way up to $2.35. Remember, price action doesn't really work on natural gas. We're, we're trading off weather. We're trading off supply numbers. So it's interesting to see what natural gas goes today. We'll kind of see how everything uh, pans out. Uh, we'll be waiting upon. There's a lot of EIA driver data that's going to, or fuel data that's going to pop out uh, as we get into quarter four. They like to run a lot of these quarterly reports. That's going to be interesting to see what they see on the demand numbers. Um, when we look at the commitment of traders, for this week, um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, as we've seen over the past couple weeks, you know, as always, we, we run two weeks by, but we've been seeing a lot of these. We've been seeing maybe, you know, people kind of slowing down a little bit on the hedging. And we know that's probably because a lot of these companies are, you know, we, we've seen a lot of wind down because we've seen three companies go bankrupt. So there's, you unwind the hedges on that point. So you see a lot of stuff come off the bank. What we've seen, though, is managed money, as we know, is mostly long. There are about 400,000 contracts on the long side to about 99,000 on the downside. But what we've seen over the past couple weeks is then begin to add to that short position, which tells me the professionals... Now, hedge funds generally don't trade oil that well, but the professionals, they think 40 is a ceiling. And I tend to agree with that thesis. So that's why I put my ceiling at 40, because... I'm seeing each week. I'm seeing more contracts. We got nine thousand this week added to the short side, so it's just it's all about reading the tea leaves. That spread, the the spread is only you know the spread is yeah not even it doesn't even make me move there. So you know we look at swaps. They're getting you know uh, swap dealers cut on the short side. I mean the liquidation people are liquidating a little bit right now. Which hey taking some money. There's one way, you know, if you want to raise money, sell your hedges. Is it smart? Eh, I don't know. Smarter people than me got to figure that out. 
Yeah. Stu, anything on the U.S. oil side you're taking a look at this week? Um, more bankruptcies. This week, you think? Well, Ooh, any predictions? I'm not gonna, I've got like two, but I'm going to... Smart? Smart? Yeah. Uh, the prediction for the world, I'll wait till you ask me that one. What's the prediction for the world? We got three new peace treaties coming. Three new peace treaties this week. Um, before the election, uh, I'm trying to get it nailed down to a better time window, and um, we'll, I'll try to get more data before I start throwing names out. Interesting. I've been accurate so far. You you've been good on this. You've so, been you've I, been all over this. Yeah, we got three treaties coming out. Oh well, this now this you heard it here first, people. <laughs> Spicy stuff. I think there's no better way to go ahead and finish up the show with that. A little news breaking news from Stu. I like it. Um, but seriously, guys, um, I am looking at the time here. It's holy smokes, we've done about 50 minutes here. Per usual, we've gone way too long. So we're gonna go ahead and cue the music and let you guys get out of here and start your day and start your week really off right. For Stuart Turley, I'm Michael Tan, and the entire 360 Digital Coach. Thank you for checking us out on the world's greatest website, www.oilandgas360.com, iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. We'll see you guys this afternoon for the digital ticker.